Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. You know, you'd think it doesn't need to be long, but probably like most of our topics, Mm -hmm. it'll get longer than we think it will. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we'll be done by nine. All right. That sounds good. So I'll just try to keep track of the time, but you know how it goes. We'll just shoot the shit about refinancing and see what type of rabbit trail that takes us. And uh, I think we'll come out with some valuable info, especially because this you know definitely is the hot button issue for residents young attendings as they're getting to the point where they're realizing they're going to have to start paying the government 6.8 percent on a full payment and um it's such a good time to refinance so i think we'll have plenty to cover i have this conversation all the time multiple times a week with clients as they're telling me, how do I refinance? How do I refinance? Should I refinance? And um, I'm either talking about it in questions and lectures, or we're talking about it with individual planning conversations. But um, as with many of our topics, 
Trevor, you can add some uh, wisdom and uh, experiences, and I can certainly add experiences from this end, seeing many, many uh, residents go through the process and what I think are kind of the quick bullet points. And this is one of the topics where we're going to have some actionable take-home um, giveaway things. So if you're listening to this episode, which if you heard that sentence, then I guess you're listening to this episode. Um, there will be a giveaway for, we've created a refinancing recipe, which is kind of just a a brochure, a quick two-page how-to on how to refinance your student loans because it's not complicated. Um, and so we break it down to something that you can really follow step-by-step step and make sure you're doing the proper steps and not forgetting any ingredients and you come out with a really nice recipe at the end. So um, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, but I love how this has become a hot topic in the last five years. Because uh, you and I were talking about Link Capital back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the first company that you looked at? Yeah, I'm trying to remember how I came across them, actually. I was looking at the traditional ones. I think we had talked about this uh, mm-hmm. not too long ago, but uh, I looked at it, the limited number. There was three main ones that I learned about on White Coat Investor. Yeah. Um, and it was like Common Bond, how do you say this one? Dairy, Rowington Bank. Yeah, DRB. DRB. And I think SoFi was just coming on the scene. And there was one hmm. other one. Um, I think Common Bond, maybe. I always get uh, the impression SoFi was kind of the original, but maybe not. They just had the most were, dollars and were really pushing the hardest. They were late. They were they were fourth, as far as I can tell. Huh. Those top three were like the established ones that had been written about, I think, on White Coat. And um, I remember one of them was doing medical and dental and just dipping their toes into lawyer. Because, like, it was still early enough that, like, I talked to people, actually. Mm-hmm. When I was like evaluating them, um, this was in 2014, 2015. Yep. And yeah, so there was a few banks early on that were getting into it. And then I remember SoFi came on the scene maybe within like a year or so. I don't think yeah. I refied mine in 2014, 15. I think I waited another year. And then Link Capital was like kind of a startup. And I heard about mm-hmm. it somehow through somebody. Um, and then found out there were some connections to my undergrad, Hope College. And so hmm. I I just pursued that. I thought it was interesting and talked with them and um, just thought it was cool that they were kind of a startup and it had the same guarantees, read the fine print. Um, but SoFi came on the scene yeah. just before that. And then there was like a, just a huge glom on of a bunch of different banks like trying to do that. But SoFi had like a great situation where they give you this nice dollar amount like it's 300 or 500 and all oh, the companies they were kind the of first do to do now. that yeah i think they gave you more and then the real benefit was that they had this like hard <laughs> number of a hundred dollars a month is all you had to pay so i don't know if they pulled in a lot of people on that but um it was that was the thing that seemed different to me i don't remember them having that same dollar amount deferral level for some of the other banks i think you were starting to pay but you were able to save a lot yeah um so it made it harder for residents so then 
Yep. You know, SoFi came in, probably was pulling a lot of business from them, I'm guessing. And then these banks probably just had to compete, right? So then they had to make it easier for residents to, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, some of these companies now you can get, I think one of them is up to like 700 Oof. for just nice. refinancing your loan and <clears throat> just for rebate at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, but big picture, like, I think the question is like, so this is one of those that I put in the category. I'm not a financial advisor, so I can't advise people to do it, but I can tell you from my experience in retrospect, after I read the articles and felt comfortable, you want to feel comfortable about making your decisions. But you also want to balance that with like not having analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just like try to figure something out for so long and you never do it. But um, this is one of those no brainers in yeah. retrospect for me. Uh, I refinanced yeah. a loan that wasn't that big. I want to say it was like 50,000 um, because I have multiple student loans. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the one, one of the few, unfortunately, that had eligibility. So I refied it. And I think just off that smaller loan, most people have, you know, 150 to 250. I saved yeah. $10,000, $10,000 over the life of the loan. Um, so going from almost 8% or 6.8, I think it was maybe, yeah. or 7.8, 6.8, 6.8 down to like four. Yeah, that was the, <clears throat> and yeah. So um, I do put it in the no-brainer category along with mm-hmm. disability insurance. I <laughs> know I've heard you say that about disability insurance. For too. physicians. Yeah, it's just like one of those products like you can't believe it exists. It's like too good to be true. In some ways, I hesitated on disability because it did seem too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you read about it and you're just like, no, okay, this makes sense. Tons of people paying in and some people get sick and that pays them out. But um, yeah, so... I'm a big fan of refinancing if it makes sense for you. And then you're the expert on whether it's the right decision for the individual. I mean, as a financial advisor, and it definitely does depend on your situation. Uh, but for me going into private practice, almost certainly, or owning my own practice um, in ophthalmology, I knew that I wanted to either go straight into like the, the missionary field and do some stuff, internationally for a while where I could get support for that no matter what, mm-hmm. or I wanted to go into private practice. And I just didn't think academics was in the future. Yeah. Um, so for me, I wasn't going to be working for a nonprofit where I could be eligible for loan forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, that allowed me to be a little more aggressive in paying off early and making some extra payments in residency that just kind of knocks it down in chunks that can't grow. That big pile mm-hmm. can grow really fast. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts overall on it. And uh, it does matter, though. I mean, if you're going to maybe be eligible for loan forgiveness, you do want to look into that. But, like I said, analysis paralysis, talk to somebody who knows, um, read some articles on White Coat. But it is, I think it's confusing enough. This is a topic where I would say it's hard to figure out for yourself which one's smarter you kind of need to pay somebody a little bit of money, a financial advisor like you, you charge 50 bucks a month, right? For residents. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, as of this recording that's, subject to change. As of this recording, <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's a no brainer uh, to, to look at that um, and set yourself up. I'm sure I've said that before, but um, yeah. you can make up for that by deciding whether you refinance or not. And if you choose to refinance, you know, 
instant return on your money for that. I mean, imagine if somebody like takes your services and refis and gets $700 and saves twenty dollars to $40,000 over the course of their loan over 10 years. I mean, for 50 bucks a month, that's pretty good. <laughs> right, exactly. Real quickly, we <clears throat> the break-even point comes real quick. Um, and that's that's mm-hmm. a lot of where the conversation starts with the residents and the young attendings that I'm working with yeah. is, hey, the main thing I want to talk about is these student loans. And that's been the same question ever since I've been in the industry. And it has shifted to include refinancing back in the day, six, seven years ago when I started, um, it was mainly help me with these student loans, whether that was refinancing or figuring out if PSLF was going to be a thing that had just started kind of coming around um, Mm -hmm. or just how do I pay these off properly? Um, You know, in the, in the world where it was, there was no private options because today's interest rates make private loan refinancing a no-brainer for sure um mm-hmm. that's a good point back, too yeah back when you could refinance for like five and a half it was like right. eh, go from 6.8 to five and a half that's yeah. nice but mm-hmm. you know that means i'm out of public service loan forgiveness eligibility is it worth it you know this and that so you better be sure you're not going to be eligible for public service loan forgiveness at at that rate um Right. But over the last 10 years, That's the so rates true. have dropped to where it's absolutely a no-brainer because <clears throat> the federal rates haven't really dropped. Um, I think they have a little bit if you're starting out right now in medical school, but the residents that we talk to, they're still around 6 6.8%. And mm-hmm. the private loan rates are, I just had a resident I was talking to today, well, she's in practice now, um, but she's refinancing. She's got about 380,000 and she's in family medicine and she could be eligible for public service loan forgiveness probably. Um, but she's decided to go the private loan or private refinancing route because a couple of reasons, but mainly she's just, it's a lot to bank on and hope it works out, um, Mm -hmm. in her mind. And I think people have a hard time trusting the government (laughs) and, Mm -hmm you know, that they're going to come through in their promises and just all that stuff. So she decided to go private refinancing and she looked at Laurel road, Ernest and SoFi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll have links for these in the show notes, but incredible was a website that she went to, to look at several different um, lenders at once. Um, So that helped. And that's what recommended SoFi. Um, I don't think we ended up going with SoFi. She's going to do one of the other ones. Just the rates were just simply better. But she was looking at a 20-year was 4.05 and a 15-year was 3.85. And then a 10-year was down to 3.4, 3.5. So mm-hmm. that then become just, you know, we talked about, okay, here's your different options. Um, and these are for fixed. You can probably get lower on the variable, but I don't recommend the variable, um, especially mm-hmm. in these. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind saying that to pretty much anybody and everybody that's the case. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, fixed because <clears throat> rates can't go much lower. Um, they're only going to go higher over the course of their loan. 
So the variable rate, you're pretty much guaranteeing that thing's going to go higher. Right. Yeah. Cause there's, there's two types, long, right? Yeah. Before there's, too long, it's going to surpass what the fixed rate is you would have gotten. So I just say, you know what, right. just take the fixed rate. Sure. It's a few points higher, but, um, yeah, worth it. So, um, I think she ended up settling on a 15, maybe a 20. Cause it just, she had some other financial obligations that we had to also prioritize. And, um, but typically I find my attendings are getting a 10 year rate, probably 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then usually they're making about a, a payment to be paid off in seven years. And so that's mm-hmm. typically what I find with the average physician um you know i know incomes are all over the board but typically we find we're able to do that um still put money towards financial planning goals retirement kids college all that kind of stuff um buy a house have a decent lifestyle that seems to be 10 years seems to be pretty doable uh mm-hmm. i hope that continues to be the case as tuition and college costs are rising um but so far at this point it is so when when we're looking at that, like the first question you have to ask yourself is, do I want to plan on public service loan forgiveness? If yes, then refinancing is off the table. If no, then we can look at the refinancing. And we know almost beyond a shadow of a doubt, if your credit's decent and most lenders are looking at at least 700, maybe 720 um, is what they want to see. But typically 700 is the minimum that you got to have to look at refinancing. But if you got good credit, um, you have an employment contract in hand, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. even before that, but you're going to get rates that are for sure going to be, you know, in the three and a half to four and a half percent range. And so if you know you're not going to do PSLF, and we've talked about this enough before. You can Google this if you need to find out more details. Um, but you know you're not going to do PSLF, which means you're not working for a nonprofit or you don't trust the government or any of those things. Then you can start shopping around for your refinancing. And the great thing about refinancing is all of the companies that we've seen, when you go to get your quote, they do a soft credit pull. So it shouldn't affect your credit score, just to check. And that means you can easily get two or three or four different quotes so you know you're making an educated decision. We typically tell our physicians to get at least three uh, refinancing quotes. You can do it all in one afternoon, you know, probably all within an hour. Doesn't affect your credit score, and you're only going to be better off by knowing three different options. And then we sit down and we have a conversation. We say, okay, because it'll show you here's the five-year, the seven-year, the 10-year, the 15, the 20 and each one has a different interest rate and a different payment. The shorter the term, the lower your interest rate is going to be. So it's going to be more advantageous to get a shorter term, but you might not be able to afford that kind of payment either. So it's finding that sweet spot. And honestly, that's a budget conversation then. Because it's like, okay, sure, we'd love to have this paid off in five years at a lower interest rate, but that's $8,000 a month. Um, you can't afford that. So... um like I said, typically we end up settling on a 10 year and putting a seven year schedule on it. But, um, man, it's still, I, I love having that conversation because these rates are so good. People don't, don't know how good it is when you think about just the history of interest rates. 
So yeah. that's kind of my quick and dirty on how to refinance student loans. Yeah. And for the people who haven't even looked at this at all, they just went through med school, did a great job, graduated ALA, and they're like the smartest person in the class, but they just focused on med school. Uh, I mean, there are, you know, two different types of, of loans and financing. And like he said, one is fixed and one is variable rate. <clears throat> fixed means that it's just, it's just the same rate. It's like the loan you get from the government. It stays the same forever until you pay it all off. Mm-hmm. Variable they'll a bank will loan you the money at a lower rate but they reserve the right to continue to lower the rate if if general interest rates go down or they can raise the rate over time so if it's already at a low rate which is why john was saying it's it's low now why wouldn't you lock in a fixed unchanging for the for the length of the loan uh you can lock in a fixed rate when it's low and the variable rates are already low, pretty much rock bottom. Yeah. Um, they kind of have, they could go a little lower, but it wouldn't matter. If you go from 2% to 1%, it doesn't really make a big difference. But if it goes from 3% and then the variable rate goes up to 5 or 6 or 7%, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, the logic there on that. So nobody, I guess unless you take a private loan, um, I don't think even private loans when you go to school, people can't take out variable rates, can they? Um, I know they, they can, can take out private loans. Um, but I wonder but... if those are allowed to be variable. I actually don't know the answer to that. Huh. I don't think so, but I don't know for Maybe sure. Maybe not. I've seen high Oof. rates, which seems like those must have been variable at some point to get this high, but yeah, maybe not. Because there were like, mm. you know, we were seeing sometimes loans from like SunTrust Bank or something back in the day that were like eight, nine, 10% on student loans. Mm-hmm. But those could have been definitely been fixed. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, and then once you pick which lender you want to go with and which term or which option they call it, um, mm-hmm. let's say you choose the 10 year with a $2,800 a month payment and um, this and that. Then you kind of go through the full application process, and if everything goes well, um, I think it typically takes two to six weeks. Uh, they basically pay off your federal loan, and then now you owe them that same amount, whether it's SoFi or Common Bond or Earnest or Little Road or whatever. Um, there's so many out there, and I'm also going to try to put a link in the show notes to the um, – it's going to be either through the White Coat Investor or different credible or something like that. They'll have a list of like the top 10 or top 20 um, mm-hmm. student loan refinancing companies. There seem to be more that pop up every now and then. But NerdWallet um, can be decent too for comparing. Mm-hmm. NerdWallet's a good one. Bankrate is a good website for looking at um, you know student loans for sure. But those are the kind of websites where you'll find mortgage <clears> rates <throat> and savings account rates and credit card you know, rankings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I still use that for a lot of our stuff. So, and when I have credit card conversations with clients, that's where I typically send them as nerd wallet or bank rate to say, Hey, um, mm-hmm. or savings accounts, you know, if we want to try to eke out some kind of um, interest near 1%, uh, we might go to try to find some high yield online bank savings account through nerd wallet or bank rate or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a place to go. Uh, and then 
That's it. And then the other thing people ask, um, you can refinance as many times as you want. Typically. Yeah, I've done that. I've done, I've done two. I did yeah. lean capital and then self buy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I got paid on both of them. Yeah. Um, and it didn't so cost cool. anything. Didn't yep. cost me anything. So that's, yeah, that's the other thing I don't think we said is I kind of, I was like, Oh, will will there be a closing cost? Like buying a house? Yeah, for um, sure. You'd think so. I knew just from my parents buying a house that there were, you know, cost money to get a loan. I was like, Oh, it's mm-hmm. gonna cost money. It doesn't cost anything. The other thing is like you and I, um, other than that referral, like fee or like bonus or whatever, yeah. when you click a ref link from somebody, usually they're getting paid like a little something like $200, $300. It's usually about the same for these loans, right. but there's no commission. So there's no, it's not like you make money off of them refinancing. It is just like a win. It's not a win-win. It's just like a win for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a single win. And it's only single you win. that wins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Normally you're going for win-wins, but this is just like, hey, if it's a win for you, it doesn't matter. So. It's okay to be selfish here. Yep. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. It's again, like I said, it seems too good to be true. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And it makes you wonder like, why did the government charge me so much for this loan? That is because a great they question because they can't right. <laughs> and that I makes, have this rant. It should make you mad. On. Yeah, it does. I, I mad sure my doctors because yeah, it's, it's you know, up. in my mind, the physicians are kind of propping up the student loan economy. A hundred percent. And the, yeah. And, and, but they're paying the same interest rate as these bad credit, low income, you know, whomever Joe Schmo that is not going to make his payment, mm-hmm. isn't making his payment is mm-hmm. still at 6.8%. Cause the, mm-hmm. the government doesn't check that stuff. They just feel like everything mm-hmm. should be fair. So everybody should be paying the same rate. And so everyone should get to go to college. Yeah. So you as, you know, going to medical school for 6.8% um, is a travesty. And let alone the fact that interest, everybody should be paying less rate. I think especially the the larger borrowers, the the people with jobs that are more secure. Okay. And uh, physicians have as good a job security as anybody. And Mm -hmm. yet you're still paying the same rate. Um, again, as those that graduated from college and can't find a job with a bachelor's degree. Um, Even over the years, as interest rates have dropped and they're still getting 6.8%, that's the part that it's like, what the hell? Like, Yeah, that's pretty messed up. I mean, I like to think about what's the best argument. Like, like, if you're going to try to prove somebody else wrong or really discuss a topic, well the pros and cons you try to like put up the best argument for the other party like sure kind of play devil's right? advocate and think well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you want to be like what's i want to be able to articulate their argument better than them and then still defeat it in this yep. case i literally can't think of anything like what what would be the reason that they can justify charging a higher percentage than the free market um it's not cool it's definitely not cool and uh i'm sure everybody agrees so i'm sure we don't have to belabor the point but it's no, very weird. Somebody in the you think there'd be a justification? Be impacted by our rant, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's <laughs> a really gentle soul out there who's just got their hand <laughs> in the key and they can just turn this, no problem, and change it. That's it. Yeah. Easy. Oh, but I was going to say, and you could pull this for a different podcast or or whatever. Um, it is a nice thing. People are always looking for high yield savings accounts. That's yeah. a real. You can tell because. 
I read, uh, I think they have it, wherever, the Ramit Sethi book. You know, I love this book, this guy. Yeah. But um, the I Will Teach You to Be Rich book, it's yep. got the whole how to's and a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me a good framework. But uh, the he's got a, a thing on like automating your finances and he talks about oh, specific banks, Ally Bank, where you can transfer from your checking, you get paid, automatically goes in your checking with direct deposit, and then monthly the ally bank savings account can pull the money. And then within that account, they have different tiers of savings like buckets. Okay. Um, so I've got like emergency fund. Uh, no, it's, mm. it's one account. It's one savings okay. account. It's like, it was 1%, which is like kind of the highest around yeah. APY. So annual yield of 1%, which is still insanely low. We're talking about for student loans way higher, yep. but if you're holding an emergency fund, you need some cash in case your, your car dies or, you lose your job and you have to pay your student loans still. (laughs) And uh, you, you want to hold some money there, right? So this can automatically deduct a certain amount per month. So like if I'm saving up for a house, it can throw 2000 in the house bucket and 5,000 in the marriage bucket, saving Mm -hmm. up for a wedding. And then, you know, 15,000 in the emergency fund bucket or whatever. And then you, you don't have to like have all that money. You can, distribute that evenly like you can take two thousand dollars from your monthly check and it will automatically distribute it to whatever percentages you want for each one of those things it's a pretty cool tool um so you think i'm just saying oh this is the coolest thing i've ever found uh feature wise it's awesome but since march now it's january 2021 right now since march of last year it every two months dropped by like 0.1 percent or so so it's yeah or ish so it's like 0.6 i think now that's and yeah and yeah and that's brutal i mean that's i mean that's typical um high yield savings account but it's brutal i don't care what anybody says yeah and uh (laughs) the reason i brought it up is because you know how i'm into the whole cryptocurrency kind of stuff and i kind of knew this was going that way you were right so, <laughs> again, not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Talk to John. Yeah. But, but it is important to note that there's a lot of um, disruption occurring in the finance space because of this. Uh-huh. And there's something called stable coins, which are kind of cool. So, yeah. Coinbase is one of the ones that's regulated in the U.S. And you can transfer with an ACH transfer. That's just like a bank-to-bank transfer. It takes three to five days. Mm-hmm. Everyone's probably used one. You can transfer your money over to Coinbase and they'll kind of credit you a little bit ahead of time if you've established some uh, proof that your bank is, you know, has money in it. Right. And if you're a customer for a while. But otherwise, you know, three to five days later, you put in, let's say, $2,000, you transfer it over, and that's the beginning of your, your baby emergency fund mm-hmm. for if your car dies or your basement floods or something. Mm-hmm. And you can convert that over for a teeny tiny fee, like a couple dollars to a stable coin, which is like a US, it's called USDC. It's a currency, yep. it's a US dollar equivalent and it okay. stays pegged to the US dollar. So this is not like Bitcoin where the price goes up and down and yada yada, which yeah. I still love. I'm not hitting on the Bitcoin. But <clears throat> this is designed to Hence stay the, name, the same stable price. Coin. <laughs> stable coin, exactly, yeah. So it's like a digital dollar and the government is maybe talking about doing something like this. China already did it or they're testing it. It's going to be crazy. A lot of this stuff's going to happen pretty fast. So anyways, you can already do this. And then Coinbase, I think, gives like 
2% or 4% return automatically just right there. You can you converted it over, you keep your dollar just sitting there. They'll give you a return on your money right there. I mean, that's already over. That's like four times what you get on Ally, okay? That's they don't have the buckets. Yeah. They don't have the buckets. They don't have kind of that kind of savings feature. And then it's sitting mm-hmm. right there just trying to get you to buy some Bitcoin. You know what I mean? It's not, the, yeah. it's, they're making it convenient and enticing to keep it on the network for multiple reasons, for your benefit, but also because if it sits there for a while and you're watching everything else go up 20% every few days, yeah. you're going to want to dive into one of these random cryptocurrencies, which um, certainly people always say, do your own research. Um, I can't advise anything, but they're volatile and you can lose a, a lot of money. So uh people should be careful i do encourage people to read about bitcoin and all the cool features and stuff it has it's it's a really disruptive technology yeah regardless there's another there's a third tier step to that where um there's companies now that will lend out um stable coins and cryptocurrencies and so okay. I can you can take the USDC and it's all US regulated. It's all KYC, which means know your customer information. So you're okay. saying this is my bank account. They take your social security number. But there's another company where you can transfer USDC over to them. And then it just sits there. It looks like it's in your <laughs> bank account, just like it would at Chase.com. Mm-hmm. And they'll give you a return of between 11 and 12%. Um, they do that because people will buy it on leverage. Oh, they'll, sure, they'll buy sure. They'll, no, you they'll can do that with stocks so, too. So that's that's a it's, already existing it's not, concept. Yeah, this is this is where you have a stable coin. It's just sitting there in a savings account, mm-hmm. and it it never looks like it leaves. But you know, all the money that's sitting there, they're doing the same thing that that your bank is doing. Chase, which is giving you zero percent. Yep. It's essentially like fractional reserve banking. It can take up to a certain percentage of it safely, lend it out to people who will make money with it and return it with interest. And they share that interest with you. Yep. So if you've ever wondered how much like Chase Bank is making off of the money that's sitting in your checking account, mm-hmm. you can make 12% off of a stable coin that's sitting in the equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's like skipping the bank. You know, people yeah. can just directly, it's, it's all digital. So they can just contract digitally with, with hard digital assets and borrow this extra money to leverage. Yeah. So anyways, um, it's pretty, it makes it hard to want to hold my entire emergency fund in 0.5% ally bank APY. Yeah, so, I, I hear you. As long as it's liquid, that's why what's important about an emergency fund is, you know, I need that's to, be able the thing. to get to yeah. it and it's got to be stable. So the value stable. can't be up and down every day. Yep. Those that's are the main right. pieces. So other than that, you know, have it in whatever you want, as long as it's stable and it's uh, mm-hmm. liquid. Yep. And it is that I think they have a delay on withdrawals. So you have like a few days. Sure. You can't just withdraw it immediately. Um, that's not uncommon. And ACH transfers already three to five days, so it's not really a yep. big deal. This is an instant transfer once it occurs. Anyway, it's just a little fun thing that I learned about maybe two months ago. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting. Cause that's yeah. That's stuff that most people don't know about by far. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be game changing. It's gonna be a wild world out there. 
And I still like Bitcoin, even though it went down 25% today. Oh, no, did it? Do you know why? Mm-hmm. Does anybody know why? It's just natural market corrections. Yeah. It's just what happens when you go crazy for five months straight. It's very, it's one of the longest runs it's ever had. It's, it's not, again, not a financial advisor. I'm repeating what I've read. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's just typical. I mean, that's just what happens. It's, it's got a lot of volatility to it. There's tons of indexes and stocks and things you can trade that are more volatile than it. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, penny stocks, right? I mean, yep. It's, oh, for sure. But but this is a global financial infrastructure. I'd rather own that than a penny stock. So, yeah, sure. penny stock can go to zero. Quick. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Any a little um, off topic, but yeah, that's right. Still interesting though. Um, that's the financial MB show. Uh, any final thoughts on refinancing or anything? Is there anything else for that matter? Final thoughts. Uh, for me, it was a realization that I had to find a reason not to refinance. Uh, given that I wasn't doing public service mm-hmm. loan forgiveness, like I was just like, okay, this is how it works. It's safe. No one's making a killing on me. No one's ripping me off. It was my first step into the financial world. And I had to make mm-hmm. sure that I wasn't doing something stupid. Yeah. And once I realized I wasn't doing something dumb, I was doing a consensus decision that people make along the way. Yeah. I mean, lowering how much I was going to pay in interest, you know, I already bought the school that I, you know, went through. Why yeah. would I want to pay more for it? They were going right. to let me pay less. So I wanted to pay less. That's what I chose to do. Yeah. I think that goes along with the, uh, the, age-old Dr. Smith advice that we always like to refer back to of make easily reversible decisions or something like that, or would you say? Yes, although this this is not a reversible decision. It's not reversible, <laughs> no. But um, it's something that could be refinanced again. You're not locked into That's it. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. And think it through and think, okay, what are the downsides? And if you're okay with the downsides, then you move forward. That's kind of how we approach it is – Whenever you're making a decision, think through what's the worst case scenario. And if you feel like, yeah, I could stomach that, or I think that still makes it worth it, then that's it. So, all right. Um, I think that's enough info on refinancing. It was kind of the main things that you need to know. Um, We will include in the show notes for everyone listening to this, um, a lot of links that we talked about from the books and some other websites and things, Um, but also, the ability to download the refinancing recipe from financial MD. Um, so head there at financialmd.com um, and, or look in your show notes on whatever device you're listening to here. Uh, that'll take you there, but um, be sure to visit the website for updated blog posts and info on what we're talking about today. Um, we keep a list of refinancing uh lenders we like to keep you pointed in the right direction and then we've always got the conversation going on the financial md community facebook group so be sure you're there um this is john salitro dr trevor smith with the financial md show thanks guys for listening thanks john Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to FinancialMD.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. 
And don't forget to join the Financial MD Community Group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time. The Financial MD Show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.